Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of Talking About Music with Friends. My name is Brendan Michael Brady. My name is Blake Allen Harms, and this week we have Yusuf Ahmed Moman. Yosef. What up? <laughs> what up? What up? Hey. What up? Hey, fellas. How are you? Dude, we, we're cruising. I'm, I'm pretty good. Cruising. That's a good way to describe it, Blake. Sliding through. The, the guests, the guests can't see it right now, but Blake has a very lively uh, green shirt on, very reminiscent of a Shamrock Shake from McDonald's. Ooh, it's very hopeful. Very hopeful for spring. Yep. Well, it is March, so it's in season. His shirt. It is season. Yeah, he's color coordinating with the with these surroundings, fellas. Uh, this this week on the episode, we got we got uh, Yusan to talk about Leon Bridges um his debut album coming home but first we're going to talk about uh musical current events uh yos you said that you had one that you wanted to bring up so please inform us what's the current event you're hooked on right now yes as of today the current event is drake is dropping his second scary hour ep tonight um as of this recording the first one came out in 2018 and I want to say he dropped this to kind of stall people who wanted to were anticipating his album, uh, Certified Lover Boy. Ooh, a little throw off. I think mm-hmm. so as well. Yeah, he's he's um, he's he's been sidelined with an ACL injury. I'm not sure why <laughs> that's prevented him from sitting in a, a recording booth and, and laying down some bars. But yeah, he's. He's doing kind of the same thing that he did with Views. Um, they've, uh, they've hyped Certified Lover Boy up so much at this point, and I know that he wants to make a shit ton of money off of the touring <laughs> and the merch and everything like that. He can't really do that with the current uh, pandemic situation, so he's, uh, he's just pushing it back and pushing it back. And honestly, I think that that hurts the album because then people are going to get hyped and it's never going to live up to expectations, but scary hours too i'm excited to see what he's got yeah what do you what has he been doing with all the downtime though what's what's emerging what do you think on his own well he's been working out but yeah (laughs) yes do you do you maybe know well i know he's for sure in rehab i mean as a former kentucky basketball player um he He's got to stay in shape for his tours, you know, especially, you know, given the state of the pandemic. But no, I think you're right. He definitely is stalling. And I mean, Fisher is going to drop it on Apple Music and do this whole rollout. But the pandemic has thrown a wrench in a lot of artists' spine. And Scary Hour 2 is the only way to just like feed the groms while he probably is going to roll out in either the spring or early summer is kind of my anticipation that's just how drake is i mean more life was supposed to come out right when after the grammys and it came out you know later than that it's just he he's never on time um i'm not sure what he's doing he's probably just playing basketball in his like in his uh cheesecake factory mansion you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah he's the thing that uh cracks me up the most about drake is that yeah he thinks he's a professional athlete like he'll post pictures of himself working out with mechanics gloves like the mechanics brand gloves as like weightlifting gloves and it, it cracks me up to see that like come on man don't that's funny don't do what it. what memes what memes are gonna emerge 
from his uh from this upcoming ep do we think well well already um so the drake the thing that he's been doing to kind of market certified lover boys he shaved a heart into his hairline and um, people have been having a lot of fun uh, making the heart into both inappropriate and uh, more appropriate images um, you can just like go look up uh, drake funny certified lover boy haircut and you'll probably see some funny ones you gotta give credit where credit's due drake knows how to maintain relevance in pop culture especially either the build up to an album or post an album, even during that beef he had with, um, what's his name, Pusha T and McNeil, you know? Yeah. I remember when he dropped views and people, there was like, the people were photoshopped. He was like, it was a CN Tower. It was on the Tower, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was like the tiny version. People were just photoshopping all different things. Or um, if you're reading this, it's too late. People would just like Photoshop different phrases on that. So. Another thing I saw in terms of meme-wise, he like had that like I don't know if it was just like a, just a toupee or a wig he was wearing, but he had like that Justin Bieber hair, which is just, just yes, like, very the, comical. The flop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a ham. Honestly, he's one of the great entertainers that we have today, and I think that he is corny, but he makes some good songs. I'll say that's that's my opinion on Drake. He has, I mean, the catalog is huge at this point. He's beyond a rapper like he really is just an entertainer in my mind and I can't wait for when he turns like 50 and just becomes like the new Steve Harvey but like I I'll I'll listen I'll listen to scary hours when it comes out yeah you have to have you got to have Drake in your in your music diet you know it's just necessary yeah and, and speaking of music diets you know quarantine we talk about this every week what have you been ingesting um, what have you been consuming uh, during quarantine? I'll I'll go first since I usually uh, let the let the guests go first. But this week I've been listening to uh, the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks. Uh, we're doing them for Album Club. We're doing the album Gaslighter, so it's been fun uh, revisiting some classics like Goodbye Earl and Wide Open Spaces, um, and Not Ready to Make Nice, but also listening to the the new stuff. And I've also been listening to the Beat and um kind of been enjoying uh, a lot of george harrison's solo work so oh, yeah in my mind i'm a much bigger george harrison fan than mccartney or lennon that that might be hipster of me to say but uh <laughs> yes what have you been listening to Ooh. well at the beginning of quarantine do you want me to just do like i'll just do like a brief recap of what i've been doing so the beginning of quarantine kind of like everyone else i listen to a lot of just older stuff older music i listen to high school um, and this is also around the time of around the death of George Floyd and like the subsequent, you know, BLM protests around the country. I just needed something to kind of keep me grounded um, with all kind of like the chaos and the pandemic. Um, but around June, July, I started listening to, I started kind of transition to like house music. I was playing FIFA. So I've just this weird, this, weird, this weird thing where when I want to play video games, I will mute the tv and put on headphones and listen to either music or podcast because i just don't like the sound same and I was listening same, to this, same same it's just i don't want to listen to the commentators you know and so i just like put on a random spotify playlist and i just shuffled it and then this song came on and i just really got you can really got stuck to it and i so i opened the that song's kind of radio and i went down this rabbit hole and so for the rest of the summer i just listened to like 
what I call a low budget house music. It just like, it's not good, but it's also okay. It, I don't know. The reason being is like, I just missed going to parties and clubs and you know, and just seeing my friends. And so the music I listened to kind of transported me to like a kind of like an underground club in New York City. That's what I was thinking when I listened to this music. <laughs> and then come fall, winter is when we started doing, and I started joining album club. And so I've been listening to a lot of the albums that were recommended. And then um, I, Eric made, Eric Olson, friend of the show, made me uh, a playlist for Christmas, um, kind of did the Christmas exchange. And so I listened to a lot of new artists that were big, but I hadn't heard from like Pink Floyd and Red Hot Chili Pepper. And then kind of the winter transitions to like black soul artists like Nina Simone, B.B. King, Sam Cooke, Bill Withers, you know, George Jackson, Marvin Gaye, um, D'Angelo. R.I.P. R.I.P. Bill Withers. I hate to interrupt, but really a, 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 a huge loss for us. When when he passed, I, I also dove into his music over the summer and it was it's been nice to um to experience it and not to sound like a boomer but sometimes i listen to artists like that i'm like damn they really don't make me so back then anymore you no, know what i mean no no <laughs> there's such joy in a bill withers song and such a uh, purpose yeah um then at the end of the year i kind of dove into jay-z's disc- discography um i started with reasonable down and ended up and i ended up with uh and a getting to watch the throne. And then after that, kind of got sick of Jay-Z. And then up until uh, I joined the show, I've been listening to Paul Simon. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a recap of what I was in the quarantine. So just kind of wide spectrum music. And then I also revisit a lot of good albums like More Life, um, Lemonade, A Seat at the Table, you know, um, Jeffrey, What a Time to Be Alive. So that's, that's what I've been listening to during quarantine for the last five years wow that's a with the paul simon that you you said you were listening to that is it like just paul simon or are you going back into simon and garfunkel also no i don't rock with art garfunkel it's just in this house we only <laughs> listen to paul simon oh yeah okay the, right. the, the thing with paul simon <laughs> is that like Adding Garfunkel to the mix is just too much for me, you know. Maybe down the road I'll yeah give Garfunkel the respect that he deserves, but for now it's just Team Paul Simon. Yeah, dude, he right. was looking wild back then. I mean, look up a picture of Art Garfunkel. Not to bring attention to someone's looks, but my goodness, <laughs> the hair on that fellow. Plus, Paul Simon sounds some of his songs sound like Vampire Weekend, and so maybe that's why it. I kind of gravitate, gravitate towards music, you know, not all of them, but they're just like a couple of times I'm like, oh, the song kind of sounds somewhat similar to Vampire Weekend, even though they're like have distinct sounds, they're just a little bit overlap. Mm, I find I do that too. Like I find like a kind of a genetic connection between songs. I don't, you know, and that, that's at least the metaphor I usually use to think of it, but, um, which is why I really love um, this album from the Avalanches that I've been listening to. It came out um, this year in 2020, but they sample so much of that that era of music that we were just talking about um, in the album and just throughout. And I just love that album. I love when when sampling is is a way to 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 layer in inspiration, but also like 
connect to the themes in our modern day and i like that's why i like that album from the avalanche is called we will always love you um because it samples in some of those really old soul singers um and connects it to our modern problems with yes. spiritual songs so i love that yeah yes i love that album i had never heard of the avalanches and then i i had it recommended to me the song wherever you go featuring jamie xx um masterclass i love jamie xx and mm-hmm. yos if you um are trying to get into house music you gotta look up uh jamie xx dj sets on youtube he um okay. have you ever heard of uh the xx that band yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so he's the he's the like producer dj behind that sound and he is just like a yeah a uk um house dj for the other parts of his life where he isn't in the xx and he is a master at, at behind the CDJs. Nice. I mean, I just looked up my Spotify now to see if I was familiar with any songs by the Avalanches. And uh, looks like there's a song by our the artist we have. Uh, it's called Inner Center Love featuring the Leon Bridges song that I listened to. Yeah, this, this yeah, during quarantine that I really loved. Mm-hmm. Yep, right in the middle. Oh, such a good album. Everyone check that one out. Everyone go yeah. check out uh, the av- the latest album from the Avalanches. Weird, funky sound, but I think it's worth a listen. Well, fellas, uh, we've come to the uh, the point in our show where we talk about the headline headline item. We're talking about "Coming Home" by Leon Bridges. Used um, you, you maybe want to give us some background. Tell us why you picked it. What's your relationship to the album? And then we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Yeah. So uh, when you asked me yesterday, if I picked an album, I was still kind of debating with a couple. Um, and this is a silly reasoning, but it was 48 degrees in Logan and the weather was nice. And I don't know if you know this about me, but when the weather's nice in Logan, it is springtime. It is summer. I am in a great mood. And I had been listening to Flower by Leon Bridge at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this album. And also, um, after my birthday on January 5th, I started like started humoring the, the idea of going to law school at the University of Texas at Austin. Keep in mind, I've never been to Texas. I have no relatives in Texas. I have no association with Texas. So my love for Texas is all in my head, but it is... It is the same love that a Texan has for them. Say, you know, it is Texas strong in my in my head in my dome right now. Um, and Leon Bridges has a great sound. Um, I watched uh, one night in Miami with Sam Cooke, and like I mentioned earlier, I got to Sam Cooke around like back in November, December, and so this album really hit on a lot of points of where my headspace has been out for the last couple of months. Um, and yeah, it's a pretty good debut album for an up-and-coming artist. I really loved his follow-up. Um, during quarantine, I got into, uh, well, I listened to a lot of his singles and projects, uh, particularly uh, Texas Sun with, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Um, And then he also had Better, you know, featuring Ricky Reed and Kind of Lead. And then he also had uh inside friends with john mayer sweeter as and then july um and so then i went back and i just did a deep dive into his project um 
But coming home, yeah, Leon Bridges' uh, debut album came out in 2015. Uh, the following year was nominated for Best R&B Album at the Grammys. It had positive reviews, like I said. Pitchfork rated it a seven, which I thought was pretty decent. Um, although there was a pretty brutal, at the, at the end, there's a pretty brutal paragraph. Uh, oh, yes. I, I want to uh, get into this, so let's get into this. Because I, yeah. I have it down in my notes, too. So tell, tell us. Yeah, so uh, this review is by Ernest Wilkins. Uh, there's a line that kind of, I, the reason why I put this out as a note because when I listened to the album, I found reference points that contradict this point. Um, but he says, unlike the legend who inspired Bridges by squeezing every last drop of feeling out of their voices, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, or even gospel heavyweights like the late Reverend James Cleveland, the emotion on the album never fully heats up past yeah, I'm pretty keen about my record being sold in the Starbucks. Thanks for asking. Ouch. Which yes. coming coming from uh, the publication Pitchfork, who this year, <laughs> actually last year, gave um, Fiona Apple a perfect 10. I find the irony staggering. And I actually did look up this um, this journalist. He looks like he's only a contributor, so I don't know if he's really like in the pitchfork in the depths like some of these other pitchfork writers are but that line was just was it's yeah exactly you you give a 10 to fiona apple the i mean she basically like records in a starbucks let's let's not get it twisted i love the latest album but she is a starbucks artist if i've ever heard one and then to publish (laughs) this about a and i'm i'm I don't think that it's racial, but to publish that about like a black R&B singer, like that's kind of whack to me. And like you give, you know, the the mainstay artists to, yeah, like people read Pitchfork because they want to read about artists like Fiona Apple. Like I just thought that that review was mm. trash. And it was weird because that's such a trash, like he said it, he even says like, it's a boring album. It's too nostalgic. And then he gave it a seven. Yeah, I I didn't know about that review, but thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, in my notes, I wrote nostalgic and novel because it was he paid you know homage to Sam Cooke and like the other pioneers of soul music, but it was also uniquely him in the way he constructed a lot of his lyrics. And I kind of I'll touch on a couple. We can kind of go you know kind of deep dive later on. But he in the song. Um, better man he says i thirst for you girl baby i'm running uh, to your well thirst wasn't really a concept that like sam cook would have said he probably would have said lust or kind of i like yearn or something you know what i mean or i long for your love um or black skin girl you know like that's kind of a novel thing to like give black women some appreciating love that's like not that like black artists do that in the past, but like that's like more of a millennial Gen Z artist where they're like more inclusive about who mm. their art, who their music is directed towards, especially kind of like their ballads. Um, and then the most striking was in Pull Away where he says, uh, my pillow bears a tear of a man in pain. Like, I mean, he isn't masking his vulnerability and heartbreak with his masculinity. He's just like, yeah, I mean, my heart's broken. I cried myself to sleep at night. So what, you know? And that's where I was like, because in the the Pitchfork article, he's like, well, he did some, he, he was nostalgic, but it, he didn't have his own twist to it the way like Raphael Sadiq did. I'm like, I love Raphael Sadiq and him and Liam Bridges probably are kind of like this, are almost the same artist, you know? 
they have different mm -hmm. sounds, but like to say Neil Bridges, you know, uh, Leon Bridges doesn't do anything new is just almost is really insulting. But. Yeah, and it like that line like infusing a genre like um, soul or R and B with like new age um, sounds. Like the only thing I could think of was in uh, La La Land when John Legend is trying to get Ryan Gosling to play in his jazz trio, and he makes like EDM jazz. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only thing i could think about when i read that line like who that's like funny. what do you want him to do like make yeah. like house like blues like what what's the point uh, another question i had to like like this is just more broad question about music and critique and writing any like generally but how do you make a claim like a some a person didn't involve enough of their soul in a project you know like like uh, listening to river and he's talking about his own spiritual journey like at a pretty high level through a metaphor like that's pretty soulful i don't understand how anybody can levy level critiques at people for not involving to enough of their soul in a thing like how do you you know and i i know that that's often done in like music critique but i don't understand the the function of it like you can't dwell in their soul yeah oh, with like music writing I think of the same way as like um sports journalism and like I love reading about articles of the ringer but like these like these these writers haven't played sports they're not basketball players they don't know what it's like to be in the game you know like it's easy to criticize an artist or an athlete or whatever from the sideline when you don't have any skin in the game for lack of a better term. And so with musical writers, um, I always take their criticism to, or their critique or their praise with a grain of salt. Like it's good to get that feedback in the inside because I'm not a writer. I don't listen to music for my job. So like Pitchfork was the one, the one I, when I do my research, I try to get of any album whether it's this or book or album club try to get like let's see what the pitch fork score is and then i try to read you know see an article from um rolling stones but yeah i take with a grain of salt because it's like he he does met he does write a song uh dedicated it's about his grandpa meeting his grandma and he writes two or three songs about his own salvation and his love of religion when he got from his mother who got it for his grandmother and religion for black people in the south is a deep thing and so to like pass it off as like oh well it's just it's just it's just soul music it just seems like they're it's a generalization and leon bridges does kind of acknowledge that when he's did interview for his second album he's like he felt like he was boxed in with his first album but i felt like he just was being himself with his first album a lot of artists have a hard time with their debut album because like i want to break into the scene i want to be different and it's hard to do that, you know, like in recent mind, I think Maggie Rogers comes to mind as someone who like kind of broke into the music industry, which is a very unique sound. But other artists like Dua Lipa and like Miley Cyrus has been around for a long time, but her recent album really kind of gave her a name for her, you know, um, but I can't remember sound, but sorry, I digress. Well, yeah, and even like talking about this, like pragmatically, what is Leon Bridges supposed to do? Like he, his background is as a, soulful coffee shop performer he's coming at this i mean he was 25 when this was released you kind of have to break into the scene within 
established aesthetic that people can link to mm-hmm. and so you listen to the second album and you say he could have never made this as his first album he can yeah. only make the second album with the established and i hate to keep saying it but like brand and aesthetic like people know his sound and they respect his sound like and especially because music executives too like they aren't going to put out something that sounds like his second album if it were his first album does that yeah. make sense mm-hmm. so that's what i think just i mean you have to break in somewhere and if your background is as a soul artist and singer that's what you should do i mean i'm all for uh create like creativity and being original but yeah like he we were proving that he really is tying his own personal experiences into this genre and that's what makes it special and most debut albums need a baseline in whatever genre they're debuting in you know and most artists were inspired by previous artists so it makes sense it'd be kind of weird for an artist not to like pay homage to their predecessors you know what I mean so to say that his soul wasn't in it just seems kind of like a shot the kind of just like a low blow you know but I don't know I that line kind of bugged me the most because it's like oh he gave credit to the soul pioneers like Sam Cooke thought it was in his spin I'm like well he's he's new he's 25 what did you do in that 25 <laughs> yeah i mean and another another thing that i i think that he did bring in like just the biggest thing that contradicts that guy's claim is that he's embedding his whole heritage into this album you know he sings about his grandparents he sings about his parents there's like deep religious implications to all the songs that are like really deeply connected to like his religion right and and like that's something that's really interesting and unique about like that I felt about this album is it uh, unlike other artists where an album is kind of just a compilation like the song is digging through like his home and also some deep-rooted themes about love like in his experience and and like I think you know like so love songs in soul are like very common but it's it's really cool to see it intergenerationally you know and also connected to like his cultural heritage yeah and then like this sound is sort of like dying off I would say like it's not you don't see artists like Leon Vidras readily in like modern music you know like contemporary music or contemporary artists you know like Leon Bridges and Raphael Sadiq are the two that kind of come to mind but and there are other sounds as well but like most are have a pop album which you would see in his second album you know like he needs commercial success to sort of like generate revenue and like go on tours and kind of build a name and who knows maybe his third album might be cool that's why i love texas sun because it sort of sounds similar to coming home you know but good thing was a good album for getting his launching his career you know like this like he got like a lot of like like initial success from the first album but the second one really kind of made him a household name you know and then texas some um, kind of he returned returned back to his roots which is kind of a natural progression for most artists if you listen to any artist within their first four albums that's when they do you know like they're very they sound kind of like sounds are very generic and then they kind of go into pop and then they really find themselves in their third project but you know and I, and I and I love him. And like when he talks about, I don't know if you guys did this in your research, but like he talks on where he's from Louisiana, particularly in the Ninth Ward, and that was hit really hard with during Katrina. And so 
if anything, this album must have been more impactful for him to write in 2015, you know, ten, you know, a decade after Hurricane Katrina. But. Hmm. Yep. I think, uh, so do you have songs on the album that you really connect with more than others? Did you find as you were, like, as you've listened to the album? Uh, yeah, I, I really love Lisa Sawyer. Um, it's, it's not every day that you can, that artist write a, a, a song to their mother, you know, like it's easy to do an, an Instagram post on, on, you know, Mother's Day, but this really kind of knocked out of the park. <laughs> and I just love the imagery he used. Um, not only did he like talk about his mom, but he also played homage to uh, New Orleans musicians. But the line I kind of like really love was, um, he said, before, the, the complexion of a sweet, prowling, long hair as a sea, uh, heart warm like Louisiana's sun, which is the heart warm like Louisiana's sun, really just kind of awesome. Like he loves his mother, and it's probably his mom really loved him and um, was just a very loving person. Um, flower pull away, uh, twisting, grooving. Um, I love pretty much every song except for like two or three. That's why I think I picked this album. When I go on Leon Bridges' profile, it says that I have on Spotify, it says that I like 33 of his songs. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And majority come from this album and a lot come from the, his second album. But um, I, I like Pull Away. Um, it's like one of the most beautiful, sad songs I've ever heard. Um, mm -hmm. When I first heard this song, um, this is like a couple of years ago, like maybe two years after it came out, I was like, at the beginning, I'm like, oh, wow, this song, I can really, I can see myself dancing to at my wedding. And then I start listening to him like, oh, wait, no, this is about a bit of breakup, you know? There's a song where he says, my pillow bears a tear of a man in pain. Um, Twisted and Grooving was pretty cool because it kind of, he, it's, it's a very blues album, but. Yeah, I like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, there's, it wasn't a particular song that kind of stuck out to me. Sorry, Blake, but uh, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the, I don't connect to music. Actually, I should have said that up top. I don't really connect to music on the individual. Like I don't, music doesn't really like speak to me. I love it for what it is. I mostly listen to music at like an arm's length. So I oh, appreciate it. Yeah, so how, did, appreciate how do you do that? <laughs> compartmentalizing, you know? Yeah, I don't yeah. insert myself in the narrative or the story that the artist is trying to tell because I can't relate to them. I can't relate to being from New Orleans. I can't relate to being from Texas. I can't relate to their ex particular experience. Even when the artists talk about heartbreak, like I've experienced heartbreak, I've experienced love, but it's not on the same level to write a song about, you know? And so mm. I appreciate art for what it is. I think it's just compartmentalization, but um, yeah, I can't relate to this on an individual level. I don't use music to process emotion. I know friends of the the friends of the show previously have said that but yeah i don't yeah use music to process my emotion i would say i uh i think i do both i think that there are some artists that i do better at listening to to find my own emotions through and then there are some artists that yeah i just listen to it because i straight up like the sound i mean we were talking about um house music and edm music i i feel energy when i listen to that kind of music but it really is just like i like the sound that's about it yeah i think it's really interesting how 
the just different ways we approach music and what it's for like I have and usually do relate to music as a tool as a way to 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 empathize and I think it's really interesting that you talk about like specifically holding it at arm's length to not relate because I totally agree like I can't jump into this album and say yes I from Utah understand this experience you know (laughs) but what I can do is I can understand like my emotions through it you know and 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 understand that they're going to be different but just living in my emotion and seeing the parallel like um and so I think that's what to me music can do is it's also it's like a way to to guide my the spiraling thoughts that I don't I'm trying to make sense of a specific event or experience through and so maybe I just wondered if that was if that what you use music for um because that's how I've always done it and so this is like this is a question that I've always wondered from different people and I've even asked it on the podcast is like how does you how do you use music and and what's it what's it for yeah I'm I guess I'm famously known for not paying attention to lyrics um River is on my was it was on my shower or well, it, it was on my shower places I replaced it with another song because I kind of like rotate shower places plays and I like listen to the lyrics but I don't pay attention to the lyrics and so um like I don't know it was a song about God like I didn't until like looking at the lyrics I'm like oh wow <laughs> this is a song about like salvation and like surrendering to the Lord and like you know uh baptism and he talks about the river Jordan like I, he says Jordan, but I'm like, oh, like you're just, you're just saying the word. I don't know if you're like referencing the river Jordan in Bethlehem. And so um, I love the sound of music in the production. That's why I like Brendan knows it, but I love trap music. I love future. I love young. Like I can't relate to like drinking, coding, and dating strippers and what have you. But it sounds cool as hell. It sounds cool as hell, and it it's what the song makes me feel in the moment that's what i was saying when i said earlier at the beginning of the uh show about the different music genres i listen to they kind of i go through phases i go through waves where it's like okay well now i kind of like want to listen to soul music i kind of listen to house music i kind of listen to um want to listen to like you know soul music it i use music to study I music to exercise I music to wash dishes I'm always listening to music because I love being you know audibly stimulated but um the one time the only time I listen to and let's listen to real music and sit down is whenever you an album club or doing a show like this where I have to be fully engaged but um mm-hmm. and not, not to like minimize music but a lot of the times artists are coming from a place where they're telling their stories and I don't want to inject my perspective into their perspective because it kind of muddles the water you know and so that's why I said I keep things at our arm's length you know like mm. it, it, it but it's a necessary tool though uh, maybe when I'm inebriated music I, I, I feel I get I, I cry and feel things but you know, <laughs> I yeah when I listen to music I just don't it doesn't it doesn't it moves me, but it isn't like in, invoke emotion out of me, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I totally yeah. get that. Switching switching tracks just a little bit. Uh, Leon Bridges doesn't necessarily sound like a lot of other artists. Um, there are a lot of other artists that are not doing, I would say he's a very much an outlier in that he's kind of reviving the soulful R&B sound that he uses. Is there 
is there a place for that revised or improved upon neo soul r&b artist in today's in today's landscape i mean he really is kind of like a throwback and we were talking about aesthetically like during this album and the music videos and the promotion like he's wearing he's dressing like he's in the 50s his hair was even styled kind of like it was 50s 60s Um, and we have kind of newer I mean Solange is a a great example of someone who's very much like modernized R&B but is there is there a place in the musical landscape of today for more artists like Leon Bridges do we think I think that I think um, the root of all modern music is through this soul, you know, like that's where sampling started. So like, um, you know, like in rap and hip hop, like it's all rooted through soul and gospel and, you know, and, and a whole bunch of other genres. But like, I think your point is that it's unique in that it's a complete one genre thing. You know, and I think you're right, like that is unique, but I think that's what's so cool is he decided to 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 buck the norm and do a full soul gospel album. And then it was embraced, you know, on the on the freshman album. And so that clearly shows us there's plenty of room still for artists who want to make soul music is because of how well it was received, except for the pitchfork fella. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think there's a, a space for uh, music like Leon. Um, I think of like SZA and artists like Maggie Rogers and Phoebe Bridgers and hell, even like Sakamar. Like, well, particularly, I guess maybe, sorry, to answer much about Soul specifically, I think uh, SZA and Solange and artists like Leon Bridges are kind of bridging the gap between 50s and 60s where there was black artists there was a civil rights there was just you know music at its cult, black culture at its highest and where it's now where it's like seeing a revival so that music is necessary to bridge that gap not that, that nothing happened between the 60s and now a music has changed but like rap was a huge part of that but rap is always evolving where soul is a constant it's hard to evolve soul there's so much you can add to it before it's not soul anymore like neo soul the phrase neo soul isn't any different than actual soul like yeah it's true he doesn't yeah he's not i say neo soul but i'm only saying that because he's a contemporary artist and not from the 50s right um and one thing that i would love to see is like for example like jazz coming back but like that that's that's probably not gonna happen so like yeah like and also, Kendrick Lamar tried. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for the South specifically, I feel like we have trap music kind of emerging right out of Atlanta. You have all these different like Gen Z music kind of up and coming with like Billie Eilish and, you know, all these different artists. Like there, and not like it's, if someone said on, on um, Rap Genius that like this is music that like older boomers listen to, I like disagree. There's, I mean, the guy has a million plus streams on Spotify. But there has to be a like a maintain like we need artists to maintain this type of music that's all die down. And Leon Bridges maybe is taking on that torch, which is a huge burden, but he's doing it really well, you know. Yeah, and I, I think the hard thing is too is that 
when we think of like yeah like sam cook otis redding they were kind of considered like pop artists and i say pop as in like they were the popular artists of the time and you say like bridging the gap like the gap is just the pop artists it was a different genre like it was pop music so like michael jackson and prince Mm -hmm. like rock and roll and pop that was the popular music of the time right now coming back into fold like yeah r&b hip-hop is becoming the pop music of our generation and of this time more specifically so most of those artists are going to be yeah like black people from the south and as they should because it's i mean they're carrying the mantle like you're saying they're they're bridging the gap of uh musical tradition so even if there's not like a carved out space for 10 artists like leon bridges like i think that there is a lot of room for for artists like him for for some artists like him i don't know if there could be 10 leon bridges but i think that there could be a few more well fellas any other thoughts on uh on the album before we head into the the last part of our show um no i yeah this is a really good album i i love how he does try to tie in back with the 60s there's a line in daisy may where he says your mother don't prove me so i take the midnight trolley no one takes a trolley home you know and so I did love how he sort of like had to like give that to like the older generations to kind of like make that connection between like the 50s 60s and then some of the more contemporary references he makes in his other songs but Mm. yeah overall um what's his name Ernest Wilkinson at Pitchfork you don't know what you're talking about this is a 10 out of 10 (laughs) album I totally agree it is on site we're throwing hands i think i think one thing that you're like the the imagery of the album that's harkening back to the 60s like to me that's what this album's so powerful in is its ability to tell a story and draw you into a specific time you know through the lyrics but also through just the whole aesthetic of the of what it sounds like and to me that's that's where the power is of of like this music but also soul generally is like the the ability to tell a story and transform transport you into a time but also to to bring with it it's the the truths and values of that era that we can then salvage in our day and try to replicate in our music is why i think it's it's a fantastic album and i i think i wish people would continue that kind of deep rooted it's almost like ethnography to be able to dig into your own story and then draw from that well of experience but also all the stories that you inherit like there's this idea in in the like the narrative literature and scholarship about like your narrative inheritance and just essentially it's it's this idea that you inherit a whole series of stories as you grow up to help you make sense of your identity to reframe your past present and future to socialize you into choosing different paths and I think that's like 
part of the cultural inheritance of soul that we have to hang on to is rooted in all of the different stories that we can hearken back to through like the, the specific details. And then luckily for us, that's also what creates an interesting story to help transport us. So I, yeah, 10. 10 out of 10. Thank you all for the great discussion. Uh, we love Leon Bridges on this show. So it was so fun to talk about it with Yost. Um, we now head into the final part of our show where we're talking about the, uh, the one recommendation, the one thing that we love uh, this week. Does anyone want to go first? Your silence uh, is deafening. <laughs> I, will, I will go first. Um, right. I want to plug in the show High Maintenance on HBO. I know HBO is $15 an hour uh, or $15, $15 a month for the subscription, but it is a great show. Um, it doesn't require much thinking. It is, but it's also very stimulating. Like the show, each episode split into two storylines. It's very simple to the point. And it really um, kind of highlights normal people and their day-to-day -day lives and struggles. And the, what they love, what they enjoy to do, and it sort of humanizes um, people expressing TV shows, which is hard because a lot of the shows, they're scripted, and the show is scripted, but it feels like you're just hanging out with people, and it's based in New York, which I, I love, so high maintenance, highly recommend, one of my favorite TV shows to watch, and you don't need to be high to watch it. It, it does involve a drug dealer, but he, it's a good show nonetheless. He's a he's a benevolent drug dealer. He's nice. He's yeah. he's the guy. Okay. He's the guy. He's giving people happiness. They're not serious drugs. And I I will piggyback. That is a great show. Great recommendation. Um, Blake, you cool if I go and then you go? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Uh, this week, my uh, one thing is the latest episode from This American Life. Chip in my brain. Um, I won't spoil too much because it's just a really good story. It's basically about, um, I will tease it as it's about a cult of two people. And it's a very good look at um, like how we can control each other mentally and socially and the importance of power dynamics in um, like controlling or convincing someone. So I would highly recommend um, the latest episode from This American Life. I don't know if it's a rerun or not. I think it might be, but it is a great episode. Uh, I, I, I always forget about it. Once in a while, This American Life pops up and I'm always happy when it does. So hopefully, hopefully I can take a listen. Uh, I think the, the thing that I want to chatter about is a restaurant in Salt Lake. It's actually in Rose Park that... I think everybody needs to eat. It's called Al Kai and it's a Vietnamese restaurant, but it's a, it's a vegan restaurant and they have the best five ever had there. They have amazing veg, like um, spring rolls. They have amazing bonnies. It's like very local, but um, it's even worth the drive. You know, if you're up in Logan per se and want to have a nice <laughs> dinner or lunch, it's worth driving down to. I have a friend whose friends drive back from um, Arizona every year for it. And so it's just a fantastic Vietnamese vegan restaurant that everyone should eat at. 
we love the we love the restaurant recommends i will definitely be doing that in the future and i (laughs) would love to eat there sometime so blake maybe or yeah maybe the all three of us can make a make a lunch date yeah i'd love that yeah love nothing Uh, more can I say one, one last thing before I yes, head out? Please. The beauty of our recommendation is that I recommend high maintenance. Ira Glass is, is and This American Life is a feature on the show, high maintenance. And I also grew up in Rose Park. So oh, a, yeah, it all comes together. It all comes together. I about Al Kai. Actually, I'm not familiar with the restaurant. It's been a minute since I went to Rose Park, but yeah, this is, yeah. It's all it's all sync synchronized. It's all synchronized. I'm not even gonna try to say the other word. Um, well, fellas, it's been a great episode. I think that we had a great conversation. Um, crapping all over Ernest, whatever his name was. Um, Ernest Wilkins. Album review, and I think that we definitely squarely proved him wrong. So thank you for that. Um, don't read Pitchfork. Listen to the album and make up your own mind about the album um that's our sixth episode of uh talking about music with friends um it's been great to have yosefan and uh we will catch you guys next week peace bye all right